Changing Faith, a podcast dedicated to untangling Christian faith to get to the essential, the unchanging God who is revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Join hosts Mark and Leanne Vaughn as they share their journey. Please allow me to open us in prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you for the life that you've given us and for the ability to be able to use our minds and to have a hunger that you put in us for you. And I ask that you would direct us, keep us humble, but do uh, show us truth. And you told us that you are truth and we want to find you as we seek truth. Please help us to be charitable to others who hold different views and to be able to have conversation with them that's constructive and uh, just spiced with love for each other um, and not thinking we're right and other people are wrong. So we ask that you be over all of our pursuits. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, thank you for joining us for the the second Changing Faith podcast. Uh, I know that some people have actually been wanting to hear this and subscribed and I'd say hi by name because I think of somebody's son-in-law that I'm particularly wanting to share this with but I'll not use names just in case in fact we weren't even sure we we're going to have our our third participant here third wheel I think is the third wheel here with Mark and Leanne please introduce yourself my name is Gwen Vaughn I am actually Mark's nephew. You're using um, your real name. Why not? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why do I feel like uh, signing? We're signing our name on the uh, Declaration of Independence. You know, they all they all thought they were, <laughs> they were kind of yeah. That they were signing their doom when they did that because. Uh, oh well, that's all right. So those of you who actually got the email because you subscribe on ChangingFaith.com, you you got the the links to the two articles we're reading, the subject of this recording is the authorship of the Pentateuch, or more specifically, the authorship of Genesis. And I found, I thought, two great sources of, of counter views on the authorship uh, within, what I guess what I'd call mainstream Christendom. Uh, one is Answers in Genesis. Answersingenesis.org is... I believe somewhat connected to, and you guys can write in or make recordings that we can play on further a future podcast, uh, telling me if that is connected with folks that have the Creation Museum or the Creation Research Institute. Uh, I, I know that they're kind of the same crowd. Or it, the ad at the top is the Ark Encounter, which where they're building an ark, which is actually there in Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then uh, BioLogos. Those of you who don't know BioLogos, it is... Who, who can give a good definition of the BioLogos Foundation? I think Francis no. Collins was a past president. I believe Dr. Falk from Point Loma may have been president or may currently be. Yeah, he's one of the higher-ups there, I guess. I, he was actually one of my professors when I went to Point Not Loma. Really. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, and his book, uh, I believe we mentioned in the first recording. I think so. Um, Although I may not have had a link to it, I don't remember. So uh, in the show notes at 
changingfaith.com, you'll, you'll find the links to these two articles. And the, uh, the thing that got me interested in it was the father of one of, the, one of my daughter's coaches at uh, high school, uh, actually somebody I went to school with, her, her dad used to be a Lutheran minister. And he talked to me about how his faith changed. He now participates in the Universalist Unitarian Church, which I guess given my uh, conservative evangelical Christian background, I I would have some kind of a natural uh, step back from somebody who says that. But I wanted to hear his story. And he was a Lutheran minister, and he talked about how Somebody came to him in his congregation and uh, he challenged him with the concept of hell and he realized he didn't believe in a hell and several other beliefs. And he goes back to when he was studying in seminary when they learned the authorship of the Pentateuch that no, it wasn't written by Moses. It was written by these various authors and you can see it in the writing. And and so I, I wanted to learn more about that myself. I, I feel like um, in conservative Christendom, we we have a rather narrow source of materials to learn about the Bible. That we have the Bible, and we're told that it's everything we need. And and then we have our friends in the uh, Orthodox Church, and they have a lot of writings from the early church fathers. They have Eusebius with the church history. They have. Uh, the Didache, they have the Epistle of, well, we're not going to say the Epistle of Barnabas. That's an odd one. <laughs> That's an odd one. <laughs> they, they have, and, and, and for those of you who are thinking of the Gnostic Gospels, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about actual uh, writings that are in the church, not considered, um, oh, what's that word for heresies? Not considered heretical writings, but actual stuff that was used. Now these some of them are like letters that were circulated about a century after Paul's letters were circulated mm-hmm. to the to the same churches um, for much of the same purposes as Paul's, yeah. just at a later time in in history. In, encouragement and uh, correcting heresy by the leaders of the church during those years, and you said Polycarp is one of them you're reading now, and mm-hmm. and these are all early figures in the church in the first centuries. So. I wanted to learn more. And then, of course, as you get up to third, uh, no, fourth century, you have um, confessions by Augustine, St. Augustine, which I'm, I'm trying to get through the confession. <laughs> Book four. I'm, I'm working on it. So that brings us to these two articles. And I purposely asked everyone who participates to read one of them before the other one. I'd like to hear your comments uh, because you guys did them in that order. First, you read the answers in Genesis titled, Did Moses Write Genesis? What what did you guys think about me choosing to have you guys read that first? Um, I, I guess I didn't... Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. It's, we're trying to share one mic, and it's difficult with three people. <laughs> but, Especially but, when it's attached to the one in the middle. Yes. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really um, enjoy the first one that much. I found it, um, you know, they were a little bit critical of, of anything other than just that Moses wrote it. Um, but, but even that article made it sound like it probably wasn't 
a perfect compilation of just things that Moses had said. And there's definitely things in the Pentateuch that make it obvious that he was not around to even write all of what was written there. Um, you mean like the part where he says there's been no prophet in Israel as great as Moses <laughs> since right. since he died? Maybe he was just just really, really liked himself <laughs> and thought it was going to be like that. Moses is just that kind of guy. I think some but, people will say that maybe uh, Joshua came along and finished it up for him and put that I, part I in. I think that was one of the theories that he put forth. Which, which the, I guess um, that makes sense. The thing that I got from it, that, that it, it seemed like this the, the writer's I think there's two of them, came in um, with their theory. Uh, they were kind of working backwards. They already had their conclusions, and they were trying to find everything to um, back that up. Really? And, and it seemed like they were going through some pretty far-stretching, um, I think you used the term, what, mental gymnastics last time? <laughs> I have used that term. <laughs> to, to try to do that, it, just saying, okay, somebody could have altered this somebody could have said oh, okay nobody's done that since the time um or nobody knows where uh his body's been you know been buried it, it was to this day to this day which would have been after anyways uh but it's just uh yeah it seemed like they were working backwards and and they did um state some things that that i i must say made me laugh out loud which <laughs> do you have any examples um i'm trying to find where it was that that, that little area that that made me do that uh it was something about um stating that the bible is really the only source and then but saying that they had an open mind <laughs> something oh. <laughs> almost in like the next line i forget i was trying to find it but i couldn't find it right now so yeah i well, it reminds me of, you know, here it talks about, like, if you um, if you say that, that Moses didn't author the Bible or author the Pentateuch, that that's really undermining all of, all of Christianity and all of your belief system is kind of what he says in the conclusion, you know, that it's nothing less than an attack on the veracity, reliability, and authority of the word of, of Almighty God. Um, you know what, I, I can't remember if we talked about this before, but when my son was in junior high and it, at a Christian school, they had a debate, um, creation versus evolution debate. And my son was on the evolution side, not that he believed that at the time, but they, you know, in a debate, you debate whichever side you're given and the evolution side won. And sev several of the parents were very upset. And one of them said something to the effect of, if you believe in evolution, you have no basis for your faith and you know that's just pretty mass much mass chaos then in anything that you believe because because you're you're undermining the very foundation of the bible if you don't believe in the literal first two chapters of the bible and it seemed like that was kind of where they were coming at too that you know if, if you say that moses didn't write it then nothing must be true in the bible and that is an argument that's been around a long time and is often brought up by the, uh, the creation proponents that you, you can't have Christian faith and believe in evolution. They, they, they make the uh, Genesis, which comes first in the, in the way that we have the, the Bible arranged, and timeline-wise, it would come first too because it's the creation of the world. And so they make that a, a foundation that everything else is based on 
in their faith. And it is, I'll say it, their faith is not compatible with that. And so people who go off to college and look at the evidence and are taught and consider that, wow, I was taught this one thing growing up and now I'm at university and I'm learning something different. I have to choose between one or the other because that's what the uh, people who teach about the Bible tell me. I feel that the, the problem with people going off to college and learning, I think I may have said this in the first recording, learning new things is not the new things they're learning. It's that somebody told them they can't believe that truth and keep their Christian faith. And I think that's the, the fault uh, for people falling away when they go off to college, not that somebody's teaching them evolution instead of creation. Yeah, I would agree. And I, um, I specifically uh, remember going to college and doing my interview at Point Loma um, with, uh, I forget, the, actually I forget who it was, but um, <clears throat> uh, at that time I was just coming out of high school, a senior with very, very conservative Christian views and very literal um, uh, uh, traditional view of the Bible. And I uh, remember specifically talking to him about uh, whether or not Point Loma teaches uh, evolution. And he kind of laid it out and said, yeah, we place it out there. We, we place out the science behind it and uh, we let you make your decision. We're not going to make that decision for you. Um, and uh, I think I even wrote in my um, uh, letter uh, that I, I didn't want to be, um, I think I even used the word, brought down by the dogma of evolution, um, which was kind of interesting at that time. But, um, and, and I must say that even through, um, through college, my, my journey did kind of shape where I was going. I, I, you know, started to learn about, um, evolution and, um, micro evolution, which is just changes within species. And I said, okay, I can, I can stretch my faith enough to believe this, but I didn't want to make the jump to macro evolution, um, which is changes between species. And, um, and I, and actually I graduated from college saying, no, I don't want to believe that. Uh, and it was years later that I, um, re, uh, uh, went back and I just looked at it. And, um, then finally, and I came around and, and did my own fact checking, my own searching, and um, kind of found that okay, may, maybe this can work with my faith. Um, and it was a you know rough, rough time because my the basis of my faith was part of that um, taking the Bible literally. So um, when it was when I made that jump, jump to saying okay, maybe this seven day creation is more poetic and not so much a literal translation of how the earth came to be. It was, uh, it was tough for me to make that change. It is tough. Very tough. Uh, especially when we've been taught that that means, um, giving up your faith. Um, you know, that's a disturbing thing to be told uh, by people who are so dogmatic. And, and it makes me think what, why is it that they decide it has to be that way? It's because they have this assumption that the Bible is, a very specific thing, and that is something, and it's taught in, in churches all the time, that it is to be used for every purpose in every setting, 
it is the ultimate authority. And I don't mean to undermine the authority of God at all. I just don't think that using the Bible in that way is is allowing God to be the authority. I think it's making a set of writings the authority instead of God. And they will say they are one and the same. They'll say the word of God is this collection of writings. I will say, no, the word that became flesh is something else. And that is a collection of writings which ties in with it a lot, but not 100%. I, I, I believe it just comes down to people don't believe that God would give us a set of writings that isn't so simple and comprehensively his word and instructions to us in every every part, in every setting. And I don't believe it is, partly because it is inconsistent with itself. And these things that these uh, scholars have found in it are very real things that they found in it. And the explanations for them are unbelievable. Uh, the only way that you can follow the reasoning in the Answers in Genesis article is to have that assumption that you must do anything that is necessary to make the Bible authored by God and completely uh, a reliable document. And I don't even know that the Bible itself can be made to make that claim about itself. There's parts of it that say things that talk about the God, God's word, but really, what are they talking about? Because when those were written, the canon had not yet been completed. Mm-hmm. So are they talk, do they include Joshua in that? Do they include the Pentateuch? And probably Pentateuch, I would think. They, they, they probably do, although you know, I have a hard time putting the Pentateuch together with Jesus. Jesus refers to it, yes. And I thought it was beautiful the way the last article, the one by Biologos, finished it talking about how, do you guys remember that? I was just reading it before we came in here. How the purpose of the Old Testament is to give us the background to the New Testament and why the New Testament is special, why Jesus' coming matters. It's because Israel was absolutely in a shambles in the relationship with God at the end of the Old Testament and just not working. We don't go by that old law. It only leads to death. And so that's why Jesus is saying over and over, you have heard it said or it is written, but I say, and he says something different. So if that's what Jesus is doing, I think we need to not look at the Old Testament today as if it speaks to us God's word for us today in every aspect of its writings when even Jesus himself changed mm-hmm. well, I the think rules. I, you know, the people who, who take it completely literally, I think if they were honest, would, would agree that they do not take everything. You know, we don't follow every law that it says in Deuteronomy. We wear. Shaved this morning. Yeah, shaved. We might be wearing a cotton polyester blend shirt. We may have had a cheeseburger. cheeseburger. All sorts of things like that that are forbidden in the law, but yet, you know, for some reason they've said, well, that doesn't apply to today. Um, Even the idea of having church on Sunday instead of Sabbath, you know, if you're going to take it all as it, it 
applies literally to us today, then they're breaking the law every Saturday. Breaking the Sabbath, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a matter of Jesus came to be the fulfillment of the law, not to guide us into the following of, of the law or, or even of taking every piece of the Old Testament and making it a literal uh, way it is. So another reason that I, I did the order that I did was because of what you pointed out. I, I, I didn't read them in that order. I read the BioLogos article first, and I thought, no, I got it. This, this sounds so good, and I'm going along with this so easily when I'm reading it. Is it just that this is what I'm reading, and therefore this is what sounds right? So I decided to get a different viewpoint and to read the other point of view in the Answers in Genesis. And what I found in doing it, Maybe it's because I read one first and it really influenced me. But when I read the answers in Genesis, your response was to laugh at some of it. It's like the argument of people who argue creation over evolution. Their arguments themselves are what drive me to the other side because they're so poor. You know, from a logic point of view. I would agree. Uh, I was on that other side of the argument. And I, I, <laughs> um, and I think... When I made my arguments, it was purely based on um, the Bible, not from other sources. And But I think as Christians, God made us big enough, and God is big enough, that we're able to question Him, and that we can use outside sources but besides the Bible, and I think you even mentioned this in your last podcast, to back that up and to... Um, look at the Bible critically. And, and I think that's okay. The Bible, I don't think, is uh, something that we can't question. And, and I, God is big enough, at least in my experience, that those questions always lead me back to Him. Uh, when I was going through my schooling and saw all of the um, amazing uh, intricacies in science, it didn't, and even in the, the, the evolution or... Um, uh, uh, biochemistry, just everything is so intricate and so detailed and so perfectly woven together that uh, it was a testament to who God is and how absolutely how amazing His work is in us. I find what you just said. I find that to be inspiring and to be um, an awesome thought. Very few things that come out of Christian literature today evoke that for me. But that does, and I guess it's part of being a medical doctor and understanding it the way I do, that that resonates with my soul so much that that is God, the one who could have orchestrated that. Right. And I, you know, a lot of people say that evolution is just a chaotic um, series of events that just came all together. While I do believe in evolution, I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I believe it was orchestrated by God. And I don't know how that happened. I'll ask him one day, I yeah. guess. But and and I even hesitate a little bit to to jump that far into it. But what I will definitely take a stand on is, uh, you, the arguments against it are really really poor and shaky, and simplistic and appeal to. I don't know. Is it that the people that are so in favor of the paternalistic, almost misogynistic 
interpretation of the Bible for their own um, benefit and wanting, is it, is it men, a specific gender who, who want to have control over uh, women and other people and being in a place of authority? I, I guess that's, that, that's maybe too much of a, an accusation, but why else does it appeal to a person? I think it's just been passed down that, that we've been um, uh, trained in this and brought up in this and those formative years of our life from our childhood uh, place the, ba- the Bible on a, um, a pedestal that, that can't be countered. And uh, if you grow up learning that from when you can start reading up until you go out to college um, and you've been fed that, um, questioning that is essentially questioning your whole basis for your Christianity. Mm-hmm. But again, and I've said this before to you guys, doesn't that sound like a cult? <laughs> if you can't question anything in it? Oh, okay. Let's just drink the Kool-Aid. I guess that's maybe why we're here doing this podcast, right? <laughs> so let me read uh, from the conclusion of the Answers in Genesis article. Um, and I know it's dangerous to ever to take little quotes out of things like the Bible out of context. Uh, but this, this got my attention. So I just wanted to share it. It's talking about how Christians who believe Moses uh, should not feel intimidated. It is the enemies of the truth of God that are failing to think carefully in the face of the facts. Honestly. And then the attack on Moses on the Mosaic authorship of the Pentateuch is nothing less than an attack on the veracity, reliability, and authority of the word of Almighty God. Christians should believe God rather than the fallible, sinful skeptics inside and outside the church who, in their intellectual arrogance, are consciously or unconsciously trying to undermine the word of uh, the word, capitalized word, so that they can justify in their own minds but not before God, their rebellion against God. As Paul says in Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every man a liar. And I would agree full heartedly with, with Paul. Let God be true and every man a liar. But let's not say... Men wrote the Bible? <laughs> let's not confuse all the writings in what we call the Bible today with the capital W, Word. That was someone else, I believe. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think that t- over and over uh, making the word every time it's capitalized mean this collection of 66 books. By the way, half of them had not been written yet. Well, I shouldn't say half of them. A good portion of them had not been written yet when that capital W was used. So what did it refer to? The word became flesh, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It wasn't a book, you people. Okay, maybe I better calm down. <laughs> Again, this should be out of love. And, you know, they, they accuse, uh, they're talking to me here, and they accuse me of arrogance, and I don't want to be guilty of that. But I do think that one side is. I, I think just coming to this, this question, uh, the way it's worded here, and the way they, they pick the fight, I think that they are making one side have to be arrogant. One or the other is, maybe both. I feel like the way that BioLogos Group wrote their article 
that was done with more humility and scholarly respectability. I would agree. And I, I, in, a, um, in our profe- profession, um, Mark and I are both doctors, we, we have to read articles to stay up on things. And those um, articles are what are called peer-reviewed. So that there are a lot of different people looking at the articles to make sure that what they're saying is true and they're not, you know, spewing out these facts that are going to um, lead doctors astray So and start some weird practice out there. I think that um, we need similar uh, things for when we're studying the Bible, that things are peer-reviewed. And does that mean that some of those peers may need to be outside of the Christian faith? I, I don't know. I, I just asked that. I don't know. I think one thing that I thought of when I was reading these two, I think it's based a lot on having our friends in the Orthodox Church that's really opening my eyes to early history and these early church writings, is I wondered, you know, most of what they cited as, as people who are coming up with this other idea of, of who wrote the Pentateuch and kind of the whole Old Testament then are really pretty modern um, Bible scholars, you know, in the last several hundred years. So I would like to see more, you know, in the 200 and 300 century, or second and third century, I'm sorry, who, what, what did they believe about it? Or yeah. even at the time of Jesus, you know, how did, how did they view the Old Testament? What was their understanding of when it was written and why and how? And I guess that's, that would help me a lot in, in sorting it all out. And my understanding is Augustine seemed to have much more of this biologos type understanding yeah. of the Old Testament than the Answers in Genesis type of understanding. I think you'll really see that a lot more as you finish up the Confessions and when he talks about Genesis and creation. I don't think that you've gotten to that part of it. No, I haven't. That's the most interesting part of, of the Confessions. Okay. Anything else to add? Anything from um, the peanut gallery over there? She's just trying to be quiet. One of the things that I appreciated about it is, um, for Mark, he, he, several times through my discussions with you, have been talking, you go, you know, you talk about how we have this idea that God has always been the same, that he is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. But then just the inconsistency, it seems like, of who God is, the character of God that we see in the Old Testament compared to, you know, Jesus came to show us who God was. And, you know, he, in the Gospel of John, keeps talking about everything I say and do is words from God and what he's telling me to do. And if you see me, you've seen the Father. Um, and so you really struggle with that. And, and you, you've talked a lot about the all of Jesus' um, sayings of, you have heard it said, but I say, um, and just the inconsistency, it seems like, between the Old and New Testament. Um, And so I think these writings gives a little more clarity to that and maybe why there is that inconsistency. You know, that in these, you know, if the Biologos article is correct, you know, that that Christian, or the way God designed religion to be even back then or his relationship with people was very simple. It's just him and people. And they started adding more and more rules and more and more laws, making it more legalistic, making the whole priestly um, 
all, all of the, the things right. that the priests you, you have to do. You could only worship through them. Right. At their temple that only they could access. Yeah. And maybe that's not the way, even in the Old Testament, that God had it in mind. And that's why Jesus keeps saying, you have heard it said, but I say. Yeah, it almost makes you wonder if the reason that Jesus came to the nation of Israel rather than somewhere else was because they needed such correction. <laughs> Uh, and had it so wrong, uh, as it seems with the way, that, you know, the Biologos talks about how the nation of Israel just kind of ends with this uh, anticlimactic uh, dud of of a history of being exiled and, and coming back and people crying when they see the temple rebuilt and uh, just uh, Romans coming in and actually having control over the practice of their religion uh, at the start of the New Testament, it just makes me wonder, is Judaism any more the true religion than anything? Um, Jesus had to come. Yeah. And, 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 he, and seeing the... he changed what Judaism was. So <laughs> I, 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 I question whether the... I don't know. I really wonder if Israel is significant at this point at all, or if their significance was just because they wrote it in their story of their own nation, or if they really were a, a chosen people uh, by the, the God who became man in, in Jesus and then came to, uh, to Israel. Mm -hmm. Maybe he used Judaism to reach the whole world. I don't have any comments on that. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that one, huh? No, not really. You've stumped us both. <laughs> well, with that, <laughs> if you'd like to uh, contribute your own thoughts, you can record them and send them by email to mark at changingfaith.com, and you can subscribe on iTunes and whatever, what's that Google thing you found it on, uh, where all your podcasts are on, uh, on your Android oh, device? I use... I can't remember. And you can also look at um, changingfaith.com. Podcast Addict. Podcast Addict. I think you can find us on other podcast aggregators out there. We thank you for uh, listening to us. Uh, we're honored that somebody would spend time listening to us uh, instead of anything else that's out there. Um, we would encourage you to spend time still, even though having said everything we did here in the Word, uh, knowing uh, what was going on with Jesus, I encourage people to also, in addition to reading the writings of the New Testament, uh, learning the writings of the early church as we are, not that we're Orthodox, but I think there's a lot of value to reading things close to the source. Mm -hmm. um, and I will point out that we are surrounded by people in our churches reading things written in modern history well a lot of these things are written by authors that really have no qualifications at all to be talking about christianity compared to people back in the early centuries of the early church um, so i throw out that little challenge um, just because it's on the bestseller list at your local christian bookstore does not mean it's got much value compared to the ancient writings so with that we will Close. And again, thank you for joining us. Look forward to interacting with you um, either by email or um, recordings that you might send in. Thanks again. Everybody going to say goodbye? Bye.
Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us through our Changing Faith. Please sign up for the email newsletter at changingfaith.com and comment on show posts found on the website. You can write to us at leanne at changingfaith.com. That's L-E-E-A-N-N at changingfaith.com. We look forward to sharing with you again next time.